0: Well, this is going to be part three of a sermon series that I kind of stumbled into by accident. I mean, I don't always know what I'm going to preach on uh, in the next weeks, but it kind of just happened, and it's been the Lord. And uh, it's definitely this season. I'm still trying to really uh, grab a hold of this myself. I'm not just preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself to really understand that it is time that we be the church. It's time to let Jesus work through us. Amen. A lot of times we don't realize um, who we are and what we're doing here on the earth. I think at times we we get busy, we get distracted. It's natural. The Lord's not condemning us. But then he reminds us, amen, isn't he good and faithful to remind us Um, sometimes we we don't know what else to do. We just have to just make it. You know, I just need to get through this season. I just need to get through this day. Whoever feels like you just need to get through a season, and you're just trying to get through it to get to something else. You don't even know what's on the other side. And I don't believe that we're meant to get through seasons. I do believe that those times come And the Lord's not judging you in those times, but I don't think we should be living a life of just trying to get through this season, to get through that season, to get through this, to get through that. I believe that we are meant to be, this is not Christianese, this is not just a mind over matter sermon, but we are meant to be overcomers. We are meant to live in the victory of Christ. Jesus didn't go through seasons. Jesus was Jesus for three and a half years Uh, in his ministry. He was the same Jesus the entire time, and he was... Meanwhile, verbally abused, right? He was mentally abused. Then he was physically abused, right? He lost. He saw his cousin be beheaded everywhere he went. Some people would love him and others would hate him. He's dealing with a demonic every single city he went to. But you don't see Jesus's demeanor change. He stays the same powerful Jesus the entire time that he's on the earth. And so as believers, you know, we go through times where we have maybe it's a bad hour for you. Some of you, it's a bad day. Some it's a bad week. Some of it's a bad 10 years. And I think that this is the Lord's waking us up to say, you need to put yourself aside. I see you. I know what you're going through. I'm aware of your issues. I feel compelled to remind us. I said last week that Paul was led by the Spirit of the Lord. Paul tried to go to Asia, and the Lord pushed him on a ship, right? In chains, by the way, you know, all the way over here to this shipwrecked island where now he's, they're cold, they're freezing, they're starving, and then a viper bites him. And everybody's thinking, man, you must be some great sinner because things have not been going well for you. You survived the, sh- the shipwreck, shipwreck, and, but now, uh, you know, you've been bit by this snake. You're going to die because you must be an evil person. And so the natural circumstances around you are irrelevant. And sometimes we try to think, well, if God is with me, then everything's going to be perfect. And when God's not with me, then everything's bad. So if everything's bad, it must mean I need to turn to God. And sure, I do believe there are times where things start going wrong because you've made some wrong decisions and it's time to turn to God. For sure, that's the case. That is the case at times. But that is not always the case. You cannot just judge your circumstances and say, well, God's with me because everything's good right now. God's not with me because everything's bad right now. I believe that we're meant to live like Like there is no tomorrow every single day. I believe we're meant to set our eyes on Christ and set our eyes on the realities of heaven at every moment of every single day. And I'm not saying that the Lord doesn't have grace on you to have a little pity party, but it's time to end the pity party. It's time to put down your issues and your stuff, and it's time to set your eyes on Christ and walk with Him. And so this is part three. I wanted to get this this thing out. In fact, I started three weeks ago, didn't realize it would be a part three, but three weeks ago, I really just felt compelled to encourage us that God's given us everything we need. Everybody say, God has given me everything I need. And uh, I spent two weeks kind of establishing this, that Jesus was on the earth in the flesh, Jesus left the earth in the flesh, but he didn't leave the earth in spirit, did he? What did he do? He said, we can see this picture, Jesus and the Holy Spirit ascending to heaven, and he sends the Holy Spirit back down, right? Remember, the Holy Spirit came into Christ, John saw it, and then they ascend, and then he sends him down so that Jesus, meanwhile, Even though he's in heaven, present tense, sitting on the throne, you are on the earth, his body. The extension of Christ on the earth is, it is still, I wanted to really establish this, that you are not, Uh, a, a ministry you are not just here to figure out okay God what do you have for me what's my purpose I know that we ask these type of questions from time to time and I'm not saying that those are evil questions but you are on the earth to be Christ and that's not heresy that is the Bible you are meant to be not an extension of Christ but a continuation there's a big difference Because an extension of Christ or your own ministry or finding your own purpose is so self-focused. It's all about your gifts and your abilities. Well, and I'm this and I'm that, and I'm good at this and I'm good at that. You know, when I read my word, you know what I find? Characters that weren't good at stuff that God used them for, right? And so don't think that this is about us and this is about our ministries and it's about, okay, what can God use me for? I want you to see that, Jesus, this is, I'm just going to read some verses here of how Jesus himself lived. I just want to remind us. John chapter 5, verse 19. He said, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing. Everybody say, Jesus could do nothing by himself. Jesus, even Jesus, the Son of God. Emmanuel, that we just sang in that song, right? Which means, Emmanuel literally means that word. When you sing that word, it's not just a Christmas song. You know, when we just say that word, it comes right from the Bible, and the word Emmanuel means God with us. God is with us. So Jesus, being God with us, said that he does nothing by himself. He said he does only what he sees the Father doing, and whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Verse 30, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me, therefore my judgment is just. He says, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Everybody say, not my own will our flesh is such a heavy burden isn't it you know what i mean by that does anybody anybody confused by that that the flesh you know it's been called the mind the will the emotions it's it's this part of you that's making decisions that's rationalizing it's the part of you that's gone through pains it's the part of you that's bitter it's the part of you that's selfish it's the part of you that loves even even loves, that's all this thing inside your flesh, and it can be good, and it can be evil. And it's only good if it submits to the Lord, and it can be very, evil very easily, right? You don't have to teach a child to be selfish, do you? A child says, the first word is not mommy, it's mine, right? It's not daddy, it's give me. It's I want, you know, I deserve, even. Even a little baby just thinks, you, I, you need to do what I'm asking you now. Right. That's what that scream means. When that baby screams, feed me now or I'm going to keep screaming until I get what I want. So you don't have to teach a child to be selfish. Right. They grab their toy from their friend. Right. No one taught them that. There's something instinctually. But you do have to be taught to say, I want to share. I want to give. Right. I want to be uh, uh, less about me and more about others, right? That's a process that some adults never learned, but we are, um, we are supposed to be, and we're going to get into this today, like Christ, who is, says, it's not my will because my will is. Wants to do what it wants to do. My will wants to go where it wants to go. My will wants to be what it wants to be. And Jesus himself, even Jesus, he put his will aside. He put his plans, his, his own, you know, we think, man, he's Jesus. What else could he want? What else would he want? But uh, he was still a man. Do you realize this? Jesus said that he had to live on the earth in order for his blood to count as your blood on the cross. In order for it to be equal, it says he was, was, was without sin. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that he wasn't tempted? No, because the Bible tells us he was tempted in every single way that you and I are tempted. So that means that Jesus, uh, even though it's hard for us to imagine that he might have wanted to do his own thing, if the Bible says that it's not my will but your will be done, he obviously was tempted. That's where we can see those. The, I brought those up last week and the week before. The three temptations of Christ. Satan tried to get Jesus to do his own thing. Now, I don't think it was much of a struggle for Jesus. You get what I'm trying to say? I'm not saying he had a war each day. He had a war in his flesh. But he obviously had, if the devil was able to tempt him, then there was something there that he, even Jesus, had to submit. He had to lay down his will And he had to say to to Satan three times, he said the word, he brought correction to the word, that ultimately what he then says in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's not my will, this is not about me, it's not about my purpose, but I'm here to glorify the Father. So this is the Son of God. John chapter 8, I'm just going to go through some verses here. Am I going too quick? Am I giving you too much too quick? John chapter 8, verse 25, they said, who are you? They demanded, who are you? And Jesus replied, I've, uh, I'm the one I've always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and condemn, but I won't. He said, for I say only what I've heard. So he said, I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. That means that Jesus did. He had it. The Bible is the Bible a liar. Is the Bible by accident? Are there scriptures by accident? Of course not. It's giving us some information here. It's not just information. This is life. But Jesus is saying, you know, I could say a lot of things right now because I'm aware of, of who you are, but I'm not led by my will. This is amazing, isn't it? Jesus didn't just run around just doing what he wanted to do. He was led, apparently, And because the Word tells us, we know this, not just by, you know, his own self, because he's Jesus, he's the Son of God, but even he was submitted to the Father, and he says, but they still didn't understand that he was talking about his Father. So Jesus said, verse 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own but say only what the father taught me and the one who sent me is with me he has not deserted me for i always do what pleases him isn't that amazing jesus said i'm on the earth to listen to what the father says to do what he says and to please him does anybody ever think of jesus in this way I don't think we think of Jesus as like as a character. I'm I'm I don't mean to bring him down and lower him down like that. I'm just saying as a Bible character who does what someone else tells him to do. We think of Jesus as as well, he's Jesus. He already knows. He doesn't even have to think, he just does him. I mean, but uh because he's the son of God. But sometimes we need to actually just read the word and See in between the lines what the word is saying. There's some powerful things here. Again, in John chapter 12, it says the same thing. Verse 49, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. Jesus lived a life. This is what I want to sum up this first thought with. Jesus lived a life that was submitted. Everybody say Jesus was submitted To the Father. Now, before you say, well, that was Jesus, he couldn't have a life because he's Jesus. There was no life for him. What else was his purpose? Remember, Jesus at the end said, I could try to escape. He tells his disciples, if I want to, I could leave, I could call down angels, but for this purpose I'm here, right? Depending on your translation, this is the reason I'm here. But before you say, well, that was Jesus, you know, he only had one purpose he was born to die. John chapter 2, verse 6 says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Everybody say, I'm called to live a life as Jesus did. Jesus lived his life submitted to God. Now, I just want to bring us back, okay? You need to understand that you were born cursed. We were just Dawn and I were, and, and, and Rick were having this, con- come this conversation the other day about it's not fair that we're born and we have issues that we didn't put on ourselves. We just have these things, you know, these tendencies, these, these desires in us or whatever it is to sin. That's not fair. You need to realize you were born into a curse. And Sometimes we forget what actually, what life is and what we're doing here, and what eternity is. I'm just going to remind us today, you were born, this was not God's original design. God made Adam and Eve, he made the garden perfect. Who knows your Bible story? Everything was perfect. But when they broke away from the perfect will of God, God said, don't do, and they said, I want to do. That's it. That's literally as simple as it was. God said, don't. They said, I want to. And that's it. This break happened. I mean, I can't imagine what it actually looked like. We think of just, you know, all of a sudden that they just looked and they're like, oh, man, I'm not dressed. And God puts, you know, clothes on them. And, and then they're just going to live out their thousand years. But literally their eyes were open. Something spiritual, physical. I mean, something happened. In the in the earth, and we entered into a curse, they bring forth their first child, right? And what's he do? He murders. They they birthed out sin, right? Jealousy comes, murder comes. And that has now continued. Just because Jesus died and went to the cross does not mean that you were not born in the same lineage as Adam and Eve. You were born with the tendency to have jealousy and to murder. That's why Jesus boiled it down. Jesus was like, listen, let's just get down to it. I'm talking about heart issues. And I I want us to hear today that they have to be overcome. You cannot not overcome and know know Christ. I'm not saying it all happens instantly. I'm not saying that you're going to be over every little thing instantly in your life. But your life is not meant to be, grace is not meant to be this thing that says, well, you know, God's in heaven and goes, I I know you're sinners and I know you're evil and I know that you want to do those things and I'm just going to overlook those things. Grace is not God overlooking your sins. Grace is him giving you time to overcome your sins. That's a big difference, isn't it? God doesn't overlook, he gives us time. And in fact, we even have it. If you think that's my opinion, let's go to the word. And what's it say in Peter? He said, you might think God's being slow about his judgments. He's not being slow. He's giving us time to repent. That's what the word says. He's giving you time not to, you know, figure your things out and and say, well, you know, I'm going to go sow some wild oats and and I'm going to live my life first, God, and then I'll live for you. That's not what the, that's not the time he meant. He meant, begin this journey with me of overcoming. And I want you to see that even Jesus lived a life where the flesh had to be overcome. Jesus lived a life where his will needed to be second place at all times. And you see that Jesus didn't waver. Jesus, there must be, there must be a connection here that I, I'm making. You know, when I have a good day and I have a bad day, what's, what is it? I mean, ultimately, what is it? I've allowed my flesh to rule that day. That's very simple. The day that I'm not doing so great, I'm emotional. Who gets emotional sometimes? Come on, men and women. Not a women thing, right? This is men and women. Don always said it, that men have their time of the month too. It's true. It's true. Listen, we all get emotional. We all have bad days. We all go through stuff. We all have those times. But listen, it's because we're in our flesh. Let's just be blunt and be honest about it. We don't, I'm not saying, again, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, all right? Romans 8. I'm not condemning and neither is he. I'm just saying that we need to put those things aside. We need to realize, wait a second, my flesh is ruling right now. And, 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 and this is not the point of today's sermon, but I'm building something here. Because Jesus was on the earth for a purpose, And he didn't have time to worry about and deal with his flesh his whole life. Imagine Jesus was all bogged down dealing with, you know, the fact that he's like, man, you know, I gave everything. You know, I give these guys everything. I've just, I've poured out everything and, you know, they just don't give me anything in return. I'm just going to, I'm just going to take some time off and I'm going to deal with me. I don't even get, I don't even have a place to lay my head. I'm going to go buy myself a little place, and I'm just going to take some time. And then he would be a little surprised when all of a sudden it was time to be crucified and be resurrected. I know you're thinking, well, that's crazy. We're talking about Jesus here. But my word says that Jesus was submitted and does and, and said only what God directed him. And my Bible says that we need to live our lives as he did. Romans 8, verses 11 says, The Spirit of God... Who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Everybody say, the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And it says, and just as uh, God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The same exact thing is going to happen for you that happened for him, which is that That curse at the cross, the blood of Jesus, it broke the curse. Listen, who's repented and who gave your life to Jesus? When you did that, that curse was broken. The thing that controlled you was broken. But who found that your flesh was still there? Was anybody surprised when there was still a tendency to want to do evil? Now listen, I'm going to I'm going to give you some a definition of evil, and I think you're going to be surprised. Anything except the perfect will of God. We think of evil as well, that's murdering. That's, you know, robbing a bank. That's rape. You know, something those real evil. We don't think of evil as just lying. We do it all day every day. Everybody does. We live in a world that lies. You don't think of evil as, you know, uh, tailgating the person in front of you because you're annoyed that you're going slow. But really, it's like, you know, I'm annoyed at this person. I'm judging myself, not you, Dawn. Dawn drove to church today. I rode in the passenger seat. We don't think of that as evil, but... You know, just, just stop and think. Do you think Jesus would do that? Like, Well, I'm thinking, well, Jesus probably had places to get to, too. And if he didn't, he wouldn't be on time. But do you think that Jesus would get annoyed at the car in front of him? Did you hear what my, what my does your Bible say the same thing? Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. I mean, it's so simple, and yet it's so hard, because our flesh is so strong. Our flesh wants to do what it wants to do, when it wants to do it, and how it wants to do it. And it's the thing, it's, it is literally the only thing keeping us from the presence of God. It's the only thing, just that one barrier from the power of God, which I'd like to look at today, of coming and working through your life it's because we're so worried about us and our world and about our plans and our desires let's keep moving here it says in the book of second peter second peter chapter 1 verse 3 says by his divine power god has given us everything we need god has given us everything we need for living a godly life We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Did you hear what the word says? God has given us everything we need. It's by his divine power for living a godly life. Do you know there's no excuse for us? You know that we don't have an excuse before God to say, I'm not living too well right now. And we just say, we go to God, but, God, I know that I shouldn't have said that. I know I shouldn't have done that. I know I'm having a bad day, but, and we think we have the right, we think we have the right to have a bad day. You know you don't have a right to have a bad day? I'm not saying, again, I'm going to say it again, someone listening to the podcast can, can is going to have to testify, okay, he's not judging us, he's not condemning us. He said it three times, I'm not condemning us, and neither is the Lord, but I want us to hear that he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. Jesus didn't get off. Jesus stayed focused on the purpose and on the meaning of his life here on the earth. And in fact, when you got saved, now here we go, I started to talk to us about this curse, this breaking. See, in the curse, when the curse happened and when sin happened, what happened is is that mankind said, all right, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Right? That's what it says before the flood. It says that man did what was right in their own eyes. Whatever was right in their own eyes, that's what they did. You know, that's what we're doing right now, isn't it? In 2023, seems like that verse is resurrected, and it's become so much more relevant today than ever before. That everybody just decided, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And that's the time we've come to again. And so the breaking by the power of the blood of Jesus that set us free, it didn't just deliver us a package. Okay, you can go to heaven. But Jesus took us from that death that was our will. Come on, I'm not going to get into Romans 8 today, but let's just you just track with me here. Romans 8 says that my will, my flesh does what? It leads to death. But the Spirit leads to life. So he rescued us from this path of death that's basically, when I do what I want to do, who's experienced this? When you do what you want to do and... And, and you argue with people, and you fight with people, and you get jealous, and you get bitter. Does anything good ever come from any of that? Anybody ever find a good outcome? You know what I always say? It's one of my life things. I know I poured into my friends and family. Spite never wins. It's one of those lines that I've just, I, I adopted years and years ago, and I always say it. Spite never wins. Does it? Whoever gets spiteful because you're like, well, you know, they did it to me, and you think you're going to do something back, that's what the mob is. Right? Everybody's killing each other. It doesn't end. You think all of a sudden you'll be like, alright, I forgive you. It doesn't end. I kill you, you kill me. Well, now I'm going to kill someone else. Well, now I'm going to kill someone else. I mean, that's what spite does. That's what this spirit of the world does. So, that's those are extremes. But I want us to see that what Jesus did is when he took us from death to life, he didn't just deliver us from, from sin into eternity, but he actually restored us back to your original intent and design. It'd be like, maybe Mariah could give us a little bit of a lesson in this. When a computer program, right, or a computer has a virus, who remembers back in the day, it's not as much anymore, but it used to be code. Well, you know, the, sometimes what you need to do is you need to just turn the whole thing off And we need to start over. Sometimes I had to take out, you know, back in the day we had discs, and I had to do a reboot. I mean, I I don't just want this thing to turn off and on. I want this thing completely wiped of any memory, and I want this thing fresh and new. That's what it needs. And that's really what happened when God rescued you from death to life, is it's a reboot. It's not, that, okay, let's take your messy life. And I've said last week, Jesus is not just a badge. He's not a patch you put on your arm. He's, uh, Christianity is not an accessory to your life. Oh, yeah, I'm this and I'm that, and I'm also a Christian. I'm a believer who is this and that. That's my identity. Your identity has changed. Your whole purpose has changed. You realize that before Christ, you didn't have a purpose. It was just... A, a, it's fuel for this earth. To dust, we, you know, from dust we came, to dust we return, right? Clay to clay. That's what the earth does. You know, when you die, that you're actually fueling the earth to live, the grass above you really does get greener. Your flesh goes in the ground, the bugs come in. I know it's gross. They eat it all up, and then they fertilize the soil, and the soil gets greener. It gets darker for the grass to get greener. That's what your flesh is. That's all it is. But the Lord rescued us from that death, from that just cycle of nothing, purposeless. And the thing is that the devil wants to suck you back into that life. He wants you to be a believer that's still living with no purpose. You're just aimless. You don't know what's going on. And it's always this struggle. I'm not saying that there's not a struggle. Jesus faced a struggle everywhere he went. Did you notice that? But I don't ever see Jesus cower to it, ever. And you're th- and again you're thinking, well that's Jesus, I'm not Jesus. But my word says in fact that you are meant to live your life as he did. Sometimes we just think that's being good. But Jesus didn't just live good, he lived as the Christ, as the anointed one. He wasn't just good, he was anointed. That means he was separated. That means he had a purpose. That means he, that his life was not his own. That means a, a whole bunch of things. We're not going to break all that down now, but it's not just that, okay, well, I need to be good now because I need to live like Jesus. The Lord wants to do mighty, powerful works in your life and through your life, but it only comes when we submit to him. There is no other magic formula, is there, Jeannie, Right? You can come up. We used to do prayer lines back in the day. People wanting to get prayer, people wanting to get delivered, think they're just going to suddenly be, you know, super Christians. But, you know, unless they go home and they make the decision, I'm not going to speak that way anymore, right, Dan, right? I'm not going to do those things anymore. You know, I don't care how many times you've been prayed for. I don't care how many times you've read through your word, how many worship services you go through. You know, none of those things are going to make a difference unless at the end of the day when it comes time for you to do what's right, you actually do it. And the thing is, what I want us to see today is that there is no excuse. You cannot say, well, it's just too hard for me, or I, it, I, I'm trying, but I just can't seem to overcome. Listen, if that's truly your words, then let it be with tears and repentance. Don't just let it be a cop-out. It cannot be a crutch. It's, that's not grace, and that's not God, and that's not the Spirit of God in you. The Spirit of God says, you can do it, you will do it, and I'm going to help you to do it. Jesus was submitted to the Father, and he didn't sin. That's what my word says. But his life was not here to show us a person that didn't sin. Sometimes we think Christianity is living a life that's, that's not sinning. That's not Jesus' purpose. Jesus' purpose, his not sinning, was just his, his nature. We think, that's it, I've arrived, I've completed it. I got to heaven, I made it, and I tried to sin as little as possible. Jesus, that's just his divine nature, which I'm going to look at in a moment. That's just who he was, but that's not his purpose. His purpose was to be the light and to be the salt. His purpose was everywhere he went, it was not about him, but it was about someone else. His purpose was that there is a broken, hurt, lonely world that needs life, and he was there to give it. That was his purpose. Amen. Wow. Preaching to myself. In 2 Peter uh, in 1, uh, 3 and 4, as we just read, before I read in verse 4, it says this in Romans 8, verse 32, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? You know, you could take this scripture, I can't, I'm actually... I don't want to get into it, and I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail, but what a mockery of God to take this verse and use it as, like, well, God giving me my Christmas list. Because that's not what it meant. This is not, won't he give us everything else? Lord, I really want a boat. You gave me your son. I know you'll give me that too. That's not what it meant. He's saying, "I, I haven't denied anything from you even my own son was not spared. What do you need to be an overcomer? What do you need to, if, if if you're lacking, what does my word say? What's your word say? Come on in, James. Then ask God. If you need it, then ask him. I, Lord, I need help. That should be our prayer. Lord, I need help. I, I haven't been doing great Not just a little pity party and just, you know, me over by myself and just dealing with myself like Eeyore. But, Lord, I need your help. I'm struggling, but I need you. I know that my life is not meant to be this. Lord, help me. Use me. Help me to overcome. Help me to deal with what's going on in me. And the Lord says, won't he also give us everything else? Listen, that's a prayer the Lord wants to answer. You ask the Lord to give you more strength, give you more peace, give you more joy where you're struggling, the Lord's going to answer those prayers. But I'll tell you what's going to happen immediately. Come on, right, Jeannie? What's going to happen the second after you finish praying? The devil's going to come and say, oh, yeah? Come on, that's what he does. The Lord gave Adam and Eve authority. He gave them dominion. He gave them the whole earth in a way that we can't even understand. We think that they were just two naked people walking around the earth like without a care in the world. But you realize that they were super power, like something super, something we can't even understand in God's eternal nature, something supernatural and something without death. I mean, just we can't even fathom what they were. And Satan came immediately and tricked them into something so stupid and trivial. So listen, just because you prayed it doesn't mean that God didn't answer it. It just means the devil's quick to come and try to steal that faith from you. That's where we're, that's where faith comes in. Listen, it's all God, and yet I have to lock together with him. I began to just think about this again, and I know that Annie laughs about this, but I had used it, the analogy of a vacuum cleaner some time ago. I don't know that that's what I would have said today, but I'm going to use it because that's one that, that Annie got a kick out of. Listen, you're a vacuum cleaner. God's the power, all right? There is, Niagara Falls right now is flowing eternally, right? And it's, it's powering up generators and electricity is coming from all over the state, right? And it ends up at a power plant and it runs through big giant cables and it ends up all the way down at that little outlet right there. But you know what? if I don't plug into that, all that power and all that effort to get power to me is useless. Doesn't mean God's useless. I'm not saying that he's useless, but all the bigness and unlimited power available is nothing unless I plug in. And this is what I'm trying to say. God has done every single thing that he could have done for your life, but we must connect with him. When I say, Lord, come into my life, Listen, the salvation prayer should not be, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. That's not the salvation prayer. That's only a piece of it. Everybody say that's only a piece of it. It's a, it's a vital piece, isn't it? That's vital. I'm not saying that's not important. But it's, Lord, become Lord of my life. Call you Lord. Not just Savior, but Lord. I need to now, Jesus said, I want you to live your life as I did. Okay, well, how did you live your life? You lived your life apparently doing only what the Father said and only what he directed. And you can't say, well, I don't know what the Father wants, because we do. Because the Bible is filled, it's such a big book, it takes a year to read. If you think God hasn't told you what he wants in your life, you're fooling yourself or the devil's fooling you. God has told us exactly what he wants in our lives, we just don't want to do it. I remember a friend said to me once that human beings have the capability of justifying anything. We're able to justify anything. We're like, well, that applies to everyone else, but not me, and this is why. We all have our reasons. And I was just saying, I was having this conversation, and I said, listen, if the, if the Holy Spirit says to you, you know, the Bible, might, I, just, I use this example. The Bible says, don't get drunk. Bible doesn't say don't have a drink, but it says don't get drunk. But if the Holy Spirit comes to you and says don't have a drink, well, I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Why would the devil tell me to do something on even a greater scale than what the Word says? All right? It's the Holy Spirit. But if the devil comes to me disguised as the Holy Spirit and says, no, you can get drunk. The Lord wants you to be happy, says in Ecclesiastes, be merry, be drunk. Right? Well, that's not the Holy Spirit, is it? That's the devil. Listen, we have the word of God. There is no confusion here. It's not confusing. We have the will of God. We just don't do it. We just don't live by it. We say, that's not for me. That doesn't apply to me. That's not my call. We've divided the whole word up into people's calls. And you know what your call is? To be Christ. Listen, the only reason we have different gifts and abilities, right, is because we are one body, right? We're all a little bit different but we're all Christ. We're all his body. That means that we all have the same call. You don't have a different call than, than each other. That's a lie. I'm not saying you all do the same exact things. I, I'm, I'm not trying to do semantics here and splitting hairs, but I, I'm just saying we are all called to, to be submitted, to humble ourselves, and to lay our will down, period, and to do whatever he says. We can keep getting into this deeper. It says in verse 4 of Second Peter Chapter 1, it says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. This is another verse that could get twisted. What are his precious promises? His precious promises are not the things he can give you. It's not stuff. That's not his precious promises. The Bible says that they are the promises that enable you. Everybody say, God has paid a precious price. Oh, that's a tongue twister. He's paid a precious price to give me promises that enable me. Come on, say the Lord has enabled me to share in his divine nature. That's what happened when you were saved. When you were saved from death to life, God put his nature on you. And your human nature still wants to try to do what it wants to do. And believe me, the devil will try to get that thing to rule until the day you die. And I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven. I'm not even going to touch that. That's between you and God. That's between him at the, you and him at the judgment seat of heaven and hell. I'm not even, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where a person has just wandered so far from God they've wandered away. That's between you and him. But I will tell you this, that he has given you his divine nature for his divine purposes. We are not just a flesh thing that's trying, struggling and dealing with flesh for eternity. <laughs> You're meant, like, suddenly one day we're just going to die and we're going to be perfect, Right? Right? While we're here on the earth, his divine nature is meant to be in us and upon us and through us now. Not one day. We're not just this like slime, you know, and, and, and muck and just, you know, this, this clay. We're, we're not. That's what the world tries to say, right? You just crawled up. Apparently, you crawled out of the ocean. I don't know where the ocean came from. I don't know where the earth came from. I get, oh, a big bang. That's right. So apparently you climbed out of, you know, gook, you know, six billion years ago. They just keep adding more years to it. You know, give it longer time and then it makes more sense. And, and, and one day you're standing here with emotions and feelings and, and all this other stuff. Not just, you know, you're not just a mechanical device, someone who thinks and breathes. And... You were meant to live for God. That is our only purpose. Nothing else matters. Everything else is a sandcastle. You can build it all pretty. You can make it look nice. And just as quickly as you built it, the waves come in and wash it away. Only those that are built on the rock will survive. We have been given his divine nature for his divine purpose and escape the corruption caused by human desires. It's right there. Our word is so clear. Your human flesh has desires, and he has given you his spirit. Now, it says in Hebrews 13, I'll wrap this up. It says in Hebrews 13, don't don't lose. I don't want to lose you, though, this quick. Let me finish. Stay with me. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now, may the God of peace who brought up the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with doing all you need. Listen, this is kind of a mouthful statement, but it needs to be said. He's saying God raised Jesus from the dead. He took his blood and ratified an eternal covenant like that God. There's a reason that this verse 20 is so descriptive is he's trying to paint a picture of this is a big deal. Everybody say, this is a big deal. And he's saying that same God, that same power, may he, may that God, may the God that raised Jesus from the dead and took his blood and washed away your sins for eternity, may that same exact God, that's what this verse means, verse 21, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. Come on, does your word say the same? It says in the New King James, complete in every work, complete in every good work to do His will, Jesus paid a price to make you complete, to make you whole. He didn't just He didn't just give you a crutch and give you life, but He completed you. He brought wholeness to you. It says uh, back in the NLT, "May He produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing." that is pleasing to him. And this, the reason that I, I started with Jesus again, and now I'm over here in, in Peter and Hebrews and looking at us, is I want you to see in these three weeks that I've been painting this, this transfer, God requires and is doing, and Jesus pointed it to us, Hebrews points us to, to this, Peter points us to this, your life is meant to be exactly what Jesus' was on the earth. It's not something different. It's not not Jesus being the Son of God and and His ministry was so powerful and mighty and then, you know, you have your little micro-ministry. But in fact, everything, the wholeness, the completeness, the fullness, everything was meant to continue through us. May He produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing. Now... May he equip you, verse 21, with all you need for doing his will, and may he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. This is multifold, and because we're closing, I'll just sum it up with this. Yes, he's going to give you the power to overcome your sin, but that is not the power that he's talking about. Yes, there is no excuse. Every single time you say, Lord, I can't, the Lord says, well, then give it to me. I can. We just say, Lord, I, I can't win this basketball game, right? And we, we, that's when we pray, right? When we say <laughs> we have those plaques that, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, they're always on like sports jerseys. Because we think, you know, that's when the Lord, that's, I, oh yeah, I can do this because he's going to strengthen me. Meanwhile, they're, they're sailing like a, a you know, they're, they're swearing like a sailor in the locker room. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not what it meant. It means that I don't have the, the capability and the power in this old man, that cursed flesh, that, that guy that was born into this earth. He's a sinner, and, and he seems to still be here in some ways, and I don't like that, but I'm not going to listen to him anymore. I'm not going to follow him or her. If you're a her here, right, If you're a her here. I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to follow his will, not my old will. And, and when he, that happens, something supernatural happens, then good things begin to come out of you. Jesus was already submitted. When he walked into a city, and he began to do powerful things, and he began to heal, he didn't say, Lord, Forgive me for all these sins, and, and, and I'm, I'm so sorry, Lord, and help me overcome my issues because I, you're about to use me. He was living a life that was submitted to God, and so when he walked into a city and he began to do the good things, began to do the works, the greater works as we looked at in John 14, right? Began to do these works. When he did those things, it was out of a place that was already submitted, He's not coming into the city and be like, okay, Lord, I need to repent really quick because I know you're about to use me. He lived a life that was submitted to God. Hopefully this made some sense today. There's so much more that I could give you. Philippians 2, 13, the same thing about him. Give, he, God gives you, right, the, to will and to work. He gives us the desire. He gives us the power. 1 Corinthians 1, 5, same thing. He's given us everything we need. 1 Corinthians 1, 7 through 9, every spiritual gift, you can go into Ephesians 1, same thing, he's given us everything we need, he's given us an unlimited, immeasurable power, and it's not just power to show our power, but to, so that our flesh is not in control, and so that the spirit is in control, and he can work through you. He's looking for vessels, to sum this up, because I'm, I'm done with this this series, for, uh, honestly, probably for this year, unless I do it on New Year's Eve, but next week is Christmas Eve. So I wanna, I'm taking a couple extra minutes because I just want to bring this full thought together with these three weeks. God desperately needs you. I don't understand how it all works. I just know that God works through human beings. It's, it's honestly, out of a thousand instances in the Bible... You can only count, maybe on one hand, the times that God does something without using human beings. And maybe that's being generous. He has involved us. We've become partners with him. The the whole thing here is not just about God being God, and then, you know, we're all just humans down here. But that God, and he put himself into mankind. He literally put his spirit into the earth through us. Like, we are him living on the earth. I'm not saying you're little G-gods, right? That's where the devil, that's where he has fallen. That's where he made the mistake and thought that he was God. I'm not saying you are, but you are, as we looked at last week and the week before, the ambassadors of Christ. You are his extension in the earth. And God paid a great price. Jesus lived the life first, And then he shed his blood to give us not just life eternal, but to show, he showed us, I said, I am the way, not just the way to eternity, but the way to live until eternity. I'm the way. And when Jesus paid that price, now he restored back that extension of himself on the earth again, us. And it is not so we can heap up wealth and, 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 Uh, so we can find happiness. It's not so you can, you know, so God can prove how good he is. It's not so he can show you how big and powerful he is. Those are all things he does all the time. He just, just because he's God, he does show his goodness. He does show his life to you. He does give you love. He does all these things just because he's God. But that is not the purpose. The purpose is not just, Lord, let me just see, just show me your power so that I can know it. No, that's not the purpose. The purpose for you was that he took you, literally imagine you were a soldier in the enemy's army and you didn't even know it and you were working. You were working actually for Satan. I know this seems a bit harsh, but but you were just a pawn in his game and he was using you to spew out right evils. He was using you to commit all kinds of evils. Right, and just cause chaos and havoc in the earth. And then God, when He rescued you, put you on His side of the game. And I just see this like a chessboard. You know, the enemy is gonna lose. That game has already been settled in time, and the devil's gonna lose. But God took you and He put you on His side. And now you are not your own. You are a vessel of honor, my word says, and so does yours. To be used by God for his purposes. That's your life. If you want to know what is my purpose, it's God use me in any capacity you want. Don't let me tell you I won't. Don't let me tell you I can't. This is not a mind over matter. This is not some sort of just overcomer sermon, you know, like to get you pumped up. This is, we're closing up the year here. Come on, we're about to come into 2024. The Lord's looking for a church that will let him be the church through them. And we're, we've been like stuck in ourselves and we all have things. We've all got stuff. We've all got issues. But the Lord wants us to just be broken so that he can move out through us. Maybe that's exactly why you were broken, because he needs to get his oil out of you. Amen. Well, thank you very much for giving me a couple extra minutes. And we just thank you, Lord Jesus, for this word. I thank you, God, for the power of your word. I thank you for the life hidden within your word. It's right there, Lord. And I thank you that you have given it to us today. You have encouraged us. And you're giving us, Lord, uh, some not just instruction, but you're giving us, Lord. Uh, inspiration, Lord. Yes, Lord. Okay, I'll set my eyes on you. Okay, Lord. A reminder. Yes, Lord. Just reminders. Okay, I get it. Yes, Lord. All right, that's why the word is over and over and over again. We just thank you, Jesus, that you've told us again. And just like Peter said, I'm reminding you and I've reminded you before. Lord, thank you for that reminder to set our eyes on you again. The time is short. It's ticking in our life. Lord, you're looking to use us for your purposes, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.